is the worst decision, idea, or motive that you've ever had? Go ahead. <laughs> All right. What would it be like if you shared that here today? What would it be like if you got up here with me and took Gabe's chair? How would you feel? Not good? Kind of stressed just even thinking about it? Anybody? Anybody? Yeah. In 2013, Lance Armstrong, a seven-time cycling championship on the Tour de France, sat in a chair across from Oprah Winfrey and admitted that he had cheated. That in all seven championships, in every victory that he had, he was telling one big lie. And that one big lie led to many other little lies, little connections, little things. In that chair, sitting across from Oprah Winfrey on live TV in front of the world, he admitted that those seven consecutive victories were not possible any other way. From 2019 to 2010, or sorry, from 1999 to 2010, Lance lived in the tension of fame and fortune and a lie. As we get into this passage today, I'd love for this idea to linger. The moments that Lance Armstrong lived, day after day, year after year. Because I think his experience may help us as we engage in today's text. And here's why. I think at some point, Lance said a small yes. It may have been that he was saying yes to a high performance group who were deep in cycling, who were just doing really, really great in all things that he wanted to do, and then learned later that they were big into doping. Right? Bad company destroys good character. Or maybe it was the first time that he took a little boost to try to help himself recover, as he had uh, testicular cancer. And he, this, this may have felt justifiable at the time, is that this, this cancer had attempted to steal him of his life, but here in this moment in his recovery, it was, it was attempting to take his passion. And so he may have said yes to a little bit of a, of a, a help in, in that way that allowed him to get back to what he loved. It may have been a justifiable lie at some point. But what we saw and what we've learned is that year after year, Lance had to keep stretching the truth. That he had to keep going down this and hide the reality that what he was doing was impossible. It wasn't just that he was uniquely gifted. I mean, if you look at his victories when people would interview him after, he's like, oh, like, I'm a gifted guy, he's being put off. He finds some way to bury the truth of seven consecutive wins is where he was cheating. Most of us here aren't about to enter a race. Most of us here are even further from entering the Tour de France. But each one of us knows the temptation to stretch the truth. To get creative with a report, to hold or withhold information in a way that gives us an advantage. And each one of us knows the struggle between what is good and what is good for us. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer as we focus in on today's topic. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Now over the summer, we've been taking the time when we're back in the building, back together, to spend time in a series of prayer like this. Uh, we're just looking at the Lord's Prayer, which is where Jesus says, pray like this. The goal is not just to say the words over and over again and just have a rote thing that we apply to God and God gives us blessings out of. But to actually engage with what Jesus is saying, pray like this, because it takes us into a space where we entertain ideas that we probably weren't going to go to without it. It's a, uh, a formula or a, a uh, mode that allows us to think about what would it be like if we prayed like Jesus. Not the words of Jesus, but what Jesus prays. And so today we are looking at, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So the first thought there is, what leads you? When you're, when you're going about your life, what leads you? What is your passion? Is it your passion that drives you everything you do? Is it your vision? Are you driven by what you want to get to? Is it your stomach? And don't worry, in the uh, fall we will bring back our, our snacks and our coffee. Don't worry about that. If it's your stomach that drives you, name that. Know that. Or maybe it is actually your faith. Maybe you're like, you know what, I am just so driven to see the kingdom of God that everything I want to do is about Jesus and the way he lives out of creation. Maybe it's something else. Whatever it is, it's worth knowing that you are led in a direction by something for some reason. Basically at all times. The key influence of you on your life, there's something that is moving you in a direction. It's driving your actions, it drives your choices, it forms your beliefs, and it forms your values. Whatever it is that leads you, it will form action, choice, belief, and value. Now Jesus is modeling in this prayer, and one of the things we notice is a petition. And we see that in this petition he has a, a desired result as he's praying. But I think before we get to the petition part of what the desired result is, it is worth pausing and pondering the request for God to leave. Many of us today in this room can kind of glance past that. We know this prayer, we know that this is what you say, this is the thing, but it says, lead us. God, lead us. But this line is actually looking at that God might be one who will lead us. That there's actually a path to walk, there's a direction to go, and that we wouldn't get there without God. We know from the larger passage that this prayer is one to inspire or encourage us daily. That these, these areas that he highlights in our walk and our journey in our prayer life are ones that are meant to be brought up for daily provision, for daily grace, and we see here as also if it's fitting in this daily rhythm of prayer, daily direction. As we embark on this passage, we must give space to the tension that arises in today's teaching. Right? Apart from God's guidance, we won't get anywhere. At least anywhere he wants us to be. We don't just stumble into the kingdom of God. We see that God will actively pursue us, he will chase us down. We know this from scripture, we know this from our, even our own stories. But to follow him, we don't happen to just accidentally follow Jesus. And so I hope that today's message is today's message for you. And I hope that when you look at your faith in your life, you identify that daily you need guidance. 
Now, while maybe tomorrow God encourages you to come back to the Spotify of this and hear the message anew, there's actually a better chance that tomorrow God has a different message for you. It probably wouldn't even be for me. But tomorrow and the next day after that, God is likely has another message for you in that day, in that moment, in that time. And sure, he can bring you up to a message that was recorded by another pastor 30 years ago. But he wants to speak and guide you daily. And I think many of us want to grab a message, maybe from 15 years ago, and form our entire life all around that. And I think it's valuable bringing a vision and direction to your life, absolutely. But then you may have gone 15 years astray if you're not hearing God anew, directing and speaking to you. So this passage starts off with the idea, Father, lead me. Do you know this, this Heavenly Father loves you, he's intent on you, he, he knows what you need before you even ask. And so we look and say, he's our Father that loves for you. Now from this, there's some tangible things that we'd love to consider. Like this posture in Father Lead Us is maybe not an easy one for many of us. Some of us don't like to be led, some of us have challenges in fathers, some of us just have a challenge of thinking of Father can lead. But here we have a Heavenly Father that builds good for you. Right? He wants to drive you into a truer faith. He wants to bring you to a place where your will and his will align. Where you see that he is a good king, and he has an intent for a good kingdom to be here on earth. And he wants to one day establish it fully in your life, but also fully in creation. So making a daily moment where we ask God, or invite God, to guide our paths actually sounds like a pretty good idea. If he, if he has a bigger vision than we can ever have, and he has deeper love for you than you can ever know, why wouldn't we create space and opportunity to invite him to lead us? So as we take this, we realize that we then have to do something. And not just pray, but we have to deal with some of the things that we believe, some of the things that we wire in ourselves, some of the things that have been wired into us. And it's awkward and uncomfortable because nobody wants to surrender. We all have this intent for our own lives, and we also know that some of our intent is formed by the culture around us. But if we wanted to pray like Jesus prays, and to pray to the Heavenly Father for guidance and direction each day, that means each day we're kind of dealing with the fact that we don't always align with God. That my intent for today was actually very much different than what He intended for me. I actually had this moment on Thursday. I had a great intent for my day of getting things done. Um, and it was stopped short because I hit my head. I got another concussion, and if you guys have been around for a while, you know that this isn't the first. I'm going to say it's probably not the last, but it's not my intent to make more. But what that meant is that my entire day's schedule drastically changed. I could have gone about all the things I wanted to do, but I probably would be doing well today if I had continued trying to do what I wanted to do. Thursday. And so I had to surrender my intent to the reality of a low doorway that found my head and changed the pace of the next at least 24 to 48 hours. Um, in that, I don't know what God wanted to do. I found one thing was interesting, and I'll share this with all my notes, is I ended up on a walk with my little guy Thursday evening. Um, out back in my house, I going to catch Pokemon because he wanted to catch Pokemon. You know I'm going to say yes to that. Uh, as we're catching Pokemon during a race battle, a muscle woman comes up and starts talking to me about kids. I was like, huh, hi, kidding. 
So we chat a little bit, like, how do you know when you're ready to have kids? I'm like, oh, like, you don't. Um, and then if you think you're already still, then you're actually ready. Uh, we started chatting a bit more, Faith comes up, and I get to invite her out for Alpha. I don't know if she's going to join us for Alpha, but I had this opportunity because my life and day was completely obliterated by a low-lying hormones. And I hope that that's not our common experience of having this surrender. I think we can come into the, the faith walk a little bit differently than what I came to But then each morning we have an opportunity where we surrender our intent to what God wants to do with that day, in that place, in that way. Uh, so while there may have been a lot of challenges to what a concussion causes for me and for my family, uh, maybe God is doing something in that as well. I don't know. We will see. But letting God guide us leads us to a practical lifestyle, one that we have to live into. It's not just enough to get the report and say, oh, you probably should do these things in your life, or you might want to challenge this or put a limit on that, and then do nothing about it. Right, we want to move into a way where we hear God's voice and we are followers of it. Uh, one of the things that you know um, if you've been around for a while is that we have a series that comes up um, every this is fall, every spring, I think we're going to try to do this, a Hearing God seminar. Uh, the intent behind the Hearing God seminar is creating a uh, space where we start practicing uh, what it's like to hear God. Uh, it gives us some tools, gives us some community and some culture where we can learn alongside one another to discern God's voice. Because it's not always easy, it's not always simple, and it's really hard sometimes when you don't even know what you're looking for or listening to. Along with that, we also have a, a guide, we call it, uh, the Abide Guide, which is like, I think, 18 weeks of like daily reflections and, and things that we would love to do in community as well. Um, but that, once again, is a larger project to jump into than I always going to jump right into. Um, I share these things because I love them to be on the radar, and knowing there is opportunities coming and continually coming. But I don't want to just leave that as in, in, the, uh, in the spring that we are then you opportunity to hear God. If you want to talk more about this, I would love to have conversations that will bring others around you to support and grow your ability to hear and follow God. Uh, so there is tools, there is opportunities, and something we want to come to over and over again because this is a critical thing in our faith. It's not just reading the scriptures and doing everything fine. It's about allowing the scriptures to speak into our lives and guide us to God. Cause to understand who he is, to picture what his kingdom looks like, but then also to hear him leading us into a life of eternal, the eternal life here and now, and into eternity. So what we have here is that this, this passage carries on to letting God lead us, and it says, lead us not into temptation. Now this may very well be a mess of a text. Um, if anybody else wrote this text or spoke this text, I would say, I don't think you understand who God is. Right? That's, that's kind of awkward to say. But if, if you look at it, it says, God, don't lead us into temptation. And I would cite James 1.13, which says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged off by their own evil desires and enticed. But here's the problem. Jesus said. So now I'm at odds with Jesus between what James text says and what Jesus said in this prayer. Right? He says, God, lead us not into temptation. That means that if you have to ask God to do something you wouldn't do, or is there something going on here that's a little bit harder? And I think it's a little bit harder. I don't think I think James 1.13 
It's right. God will not lead you into temptation. He does not bring evil upon you. That is not who God is. That is not his character. But we have to try to understand tension here. And so this prayer is not asking God to do something you wouldn't do in some kind of thing. Oh yeah, don't do these things that you would never do. But it brings us into this tension of, of language. Now, this passage with it, I would work and a few others have worked around what this literally says in our language is to try to look back into a, a language that was actually spoken or written then. And one of the words, which would be temptation, also has within its semantic range trials, as trials as part of its semantic range. And so that trial is, God, don't get us into trials. Which is a little bit different than the temptation. The temptation we know is something other than what God wants. But we know in, in trials, there is actually an opportunity for growth, there's an opportunity to be strengthened, there's an opportunity to really actually know who God is. And if we actually look at the scripture, we see that God actually led Jesus by the Spirit into the wilderness where he faced trials. The complex part is part of those trials are also temptation. So in this, we, we have this complex reality that a trial is not all in itself perfect and good and easy. Uh, we, we also have this tension of knowing that God has led people to trials because Jesus was led by the Spirit and that's where he faced a trial. So while I think this word, word shifting, understanding the semantic range, helps us get past James 1-13, uh, I think it then brings us into another challenge, which is always fun. Finding challenges in the text, why can't it just be pure and simple? And it's once again James. James causes this problem. So James says here in James 1 2 4, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And we know what Jesus says in John uh, 16. Uh, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace, in the world you may have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we know that there's trials and challenges, and we also know the reality of temptation in our own life, we've all experienced it. These are unavoidable things in a world. But here we have that God has led Jesus into a trial. We have scripture that says that trial is something that actually forms and shapes us. But then we have Jesus' prayer saying the opposite again. So if we did this word thing where it's like, lead us not into trials, we now are going against what God is kind of doing through the trials, is, is growing and forming and shaping. And this is where I get to better and brighter people than myself, to try to solve or at least find a spot that we can live in this tension. And so one of the, the theologians that I was looking at looks at this passage, and he also makes a jump from uh, temptation to trial. Uh, that's one of the things that's more useful in understanding what Jesus is praying. Is that the heartbeat of this prayer isn't about getting a comfortable life. That while we should ask God to help us avoid trials, uh, knowing that some trials come and that they can form us to good, they can also form us in very different ways depending on how we walk and experience and God's presence in them, absolutely. The heartbeat in this part of the prayer when we ask to avoid trials, is knowing our propensity to sin. 
knowing that we will miss the mark, that we will often not live out the way that the king and his kingdom should be in a trial. And so the, the discomfort that we have with, with this shouldn't be that we don't want to have a hard life, that we don't want to, like, just, God, just give me the best house ever, give me all the important, helpful things, allow me never to experience sickness and all joy all the time. That's not the heart of this prayer. As, as a theologian would say, and I, I would lean this way, is that this prayer says, God, I, I know your kingdom, and I know your ways. And I know when the challenges come up, and they will, I might fail. I might bring sin into my life. I might engage in something in a way that I should not. And I don't want that. So if, if you, Heavenly Father, can allow me to bypass the trial, please do that. Please lead me in a way where I can live more and more in the way of your kingdom. Because I want to align with you so much more that I want to risk failing. And I find that to be a lot more along the heartbeat of what it means to be a Christian. And when it really Jesus' prayer, is that he would never face anything he could not handle. And we see this also here, is that uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, 1.13, no temptation has over, uh, overtaken you except that which is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so I see, as we look at the broader picture of scriptures, we start seeing a picture is that God doesn't tempt us to do evil things. Believing that is a lie. We see that in scripture, we see that also in Jesus. Like he, he is good. He's a loving father. He does not lead you into pits for your destruction. At the same point, he knows that some things in our lives will form us and shape us. He wants to walk with us through them. Right? There's no temptation in these things that cannot be but in, as our, our, our lives, we, we pray alongside Jesus and say, like, I am still nervous that while there's a way out, I may not make it to the way that you want to. So, Lord, if, if there's a way that we can miss this temptation, if there's a way that we can miss this trial, we would love to bypass it. But then when we face them, we don't say, God, you let me into this instruction myself. Therefore, you want me to sin. That's not what we get at. It looks like this is the part. If this is coming our way, then there's a way out. There's a way through, and there's a God with us in it. So when we face these temptations, these trials, these things that come up in our lives, God is present to us. Right? We, we can talk about all these things, but once again, each one of our stories, each one of our uh, challenges, each one of our trials is different, and it hits so hard. And that's once again where we need Christ in our life. We need the Spirit walking with us. Us to go through these trials and bypass the trials, not even knowing they were coming our way. And so, in this, I would love for us to consider in our lives what, what things have we entered into that aren't the way of Jesus? Or what, what ways have we entered into a trial where we gave into a temptation? I mean, at the Lance Armstrong story, he gave in. And then What's awkward, and I think you may know this as well, I'm not going to guarantee you, but when you give in, you might start creating space where you can give in again, or the story kind of connects to it, and you, you try to allow that one lie or that one thing to form in your life in a way that you kind of are okay with it, as long as it's not bigger, or you can kind of sin manage. I think this, this prayer and this, this reality here of trials that often do have temptation involved, brings us to a spot where we have an opportunity to confess. 
And why I would love for us to identify this today, we're not going to do this in practice, I think this is somewhere uh, in deep relationship with somebody, maybe with me, maybe with your community group, maybe with a spouse, maybe with a uh, mentor, wherever, where you can practice confession. But I think the value of identifying we do sin, that we do fall short, even after we've said the magical prayer and accepted Jesus into our life, right? That this, this does still impact us, that trials will come our way and we will fall short. That in confession, we get to lean into who God is. We get to lean in that even while we were sinners, He moved in our lives. They came and sought us out. And here's the value in confession is that what you do not confess, you won't address. So if you don't name what you are doing, what your sin is, what your experience is, whatever you have a propensity to that is not taking away, you will never address it if you do not confess it. And so we would often go on ignoring it until the point where we can't ignore it anymore, which is where Lance Armstrong found himself after seven consecutive wins. He sat with Oprah and had to confess that it was all a lie. Now, in the last little bit that we have together, I would love to jump to the, the second part of this passage. Because I think we, at this point, understand that there's internal things that cause us to, to go off the rails, internal things that cause us not to live the way of Jesus, internal things that make us actually just pray to our own selfish desires and entice God. But here we have Jesus saying, deliver us from the evil one. And this actually is beyond yourself. And it's actually easier to believe that everything is just an internal problem, an internal family theory. It is a challenge that you've experienced somewhere else. Somebody's done something to you that you've adapted and now it's, you're just living out that way. But we do not struggle just against our own weakness and our flesh, our own foibles. We don't just wrestle with our own beings and those around us. We are tempted to destroy ourselves. We are tempted to destroy others. We are tempted by the evil one to establish the dark kingdom, to break any good that is out here, to despise, to realize lies, to be another way. And often it looks like power or privilege or comfort. Uh, you would know other ways. There's a, a long list of vices that you may personally experience or you've seen in others. But we have a challenge, which is that this is not just a neutral world that we have to get things wrong. There it is an evil one. Right? And this evil one wants to see the kingdom of death and destruction continue to reign forever and ever. And we had Jesus come into creation to bring his kingdom, to destroy the kingdom of death, to destroy the kingdom of sin, and allow us to live in the kingdom of God. And so in this, we, we pray for deliverance. Because there is evil one, or the accuser, if we look at the old translations, the accuser, the devil, the Satan, the adversary, the evil one. Whatever language helps you understand that we are not just fighting against ourselves. Let that word be helpful. We are being led astray, day in and day out. And not like astray like a cute kitten that shows up on your doorstep, like the astray that wants to destroy us and others. This being led astray wants to deform the good image that God has given humanity. It wants to bend it and break it. It wants to destroy the, the beauty that was created in creation and re have that reflect something other than God's glory. And so when we pray, we pray, the power of Christ to deliver us. Deliver us from the temptations that we experience. 
from the trials that we engage in, the traumas that we may have had or may endure later in life as well. The sins that ensnare us and the paths and patterns that are ahead of us lead to destruction. Jesus isn't just a great teacher. He is a deliverer. He is an overcomer of death and sin. And he has overcome all things so that we may too overcome. Now I'm not sure what this means for you, but I do know that it means something. That every one of us needs Jesus day in and day out. That we have an opportunity to go a different way and we need him to lead us. As followers of Jesus, that's what it means. Is Jesus is ahead, and we walk behind. So in this, I would love to also name um, another material that we as a conference uh, have. It's not as regular as I'd love it, um, but it's part of reality. Is that we as a church are part of Church Renewal, which is a, a movement in North America and the Philippines out of Manitoba, of all places, and one of the things that they offer is a set-free weekend. Uh, we've done a few in our denomination locally. But the set-free conference, I'm not sure when the next one comes up either, which is also awkward to share about, but I want it while we're talking about it. What the goal is to unpack life and seek deliverance. As we don't just struggle within ourselves, we actually deal with a continuum of temptation to the demonic. We live inside uh, a life that is traumatic. We also live inside a life that has spiritual attacks, that we experience sins that are passed down from our fathers and mothers, and we have sins that we've conjured up ourselves. And we have curses that have been spoken, and we have made vows in our lives, things that we will never do, or ways that we will never be again. Now each one of these actually impacts our physical and spiritual life. And they're actually connected. Well, we as Christians can often create this like dualism or a, a platonic picture of heaven and earth. Um, the reality is that spirit and physicality actually overlap. They're actually intertwined and connected. We can't really separate them. They're interwoven and they're our being and what we experience as we live. So a separate conference, uh, what it actually does is it seeks to have spiritual freedom by exploring and confessing and finding victory. Uh, it's described as a, a weekend retreat, uh, meeting with Jesus through teaching on inner healing, deliverance, the Holy Spirit, and finding lasting freedom in Christ. Uh, the, some of the things that go on is experiencing the joy and victory uh, more or fully or for the first time. Uh, and it, it looks at deepening friendships in Christ. It looks at discovering uh, how to break free of hurts and uh, bondage, as well as naming and learning and experiencing being a minister of Christ's Victory. Uh, so, what I really love about the, this conference, whenever it comes out again, I'll let you guys know, is that it's not about a, a professional Christian living out the professional Christ way. It's about encouraging you in your rightful place as heirs of the kingdom, as, as co laborers in Christ, to be empowered to live out the victory of Christ and to encourage one another to find freedom, to find Christ speaking in to all of our hurts and pains. So you may be here today, it's a little surprised that we actually talk about the devil, and that we picture evil as real. Uh, the first point is that's orthodox faith. The second part is, Jesus does that, so I'm in good company. So when we look at this life and faith in the devil, uh, don't picture this red creature with horns. I don't know what you picture, but not that. We have 
an influence in the world that is trying to establish death and darkness. I think we can all say amen to that when we see all that's going wrong in the neighborhoods, when we see like 509 uh, collectives where they try to help with food banks, up. they have fridges and a whole bunch of stuff, and the fridge gets stolen, and the property gets uh, robbed. Like, why? Because death and destruction is what the evil one wants to have. But here's the good news. As we talk about evil, darkness, Satan, the accuser, uh, death, is that Jesus is greater. He has overcome it. He is a name above all names. And that while one kingdom wants to destroy everything, the greater kingdom wants to reclaim and restore everything. And so as we go about our weeks, our days, go about our life in the conflict between two kingdoms, we get to see that death has been overcome. It may not look like a day in and day out. You may not experience it as you want to day in and day out. But that brings us back to this prayer. As we enter into prayer time with our Heavenly Father, who loves us and for us, who provides to us, who knows every need that we have before we even knew it, we get to pray to Him. And we can say, lead us not into these trials. As we want to live out your kingdom, we want to live out your patterns, your ways here in the world. And we also can say, Lord, I, I know that there's more than just what I've seen. And you don't have to tell me everything. I couldn't even fathom it. But I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you have put me in a place where I don't have to fight the battle against the evil one. That you have won the victory on the cross. And that we are now living in the, the now and not yet kingdom. And so your kingdom wins every time. So may your kingdom come here. May your will be done on earth. And not just all the earth. We as a community are going to be growing in this over the year to come. But in Stanley Park, where I live, or Waterloo, where I literally live, or wherever street you live on, that the kingdom of God is pushing back the darkness, and the victory is already won. And we have the opportunity, day in and day out, to walk with the Father, to allow Him to lead us into all the trials. We can ask him to be gracious and lead us in the ones that we will fail. But we also know that even when we do, and we've all experienced moments where we sin, we all experience moments where we need to confess, is that his grace is enough to reestablish us, to, to take us out of that spot and say, you can live better. I will provide. I will lead the way. I will be the one that lives for you. Because we are loved. Because we are seen. We are known. And so as we go forward into this fall, I would love for us to pray like this. Lord's Prayer, but not just rote memory, to engage in each part. Maybe it's breaking it down because it's bite-sized with each passage. Maybe it's taking a little bit and just focusing on it for an entire week. But as we learn to pray like Jesus, we will see that we need to live more and more like Jesus. That we get to see his kingdom come and the darkness push back. And so as we go, let's pray together Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Amen. May you have a blessed week. I look forward to being in connection with you throughout the week, but also back next Sunday.
Grace and peace.